Good morning. Our Old Testament reading this morning is Genesis chapter 45, verse 4 to 8. If you are able, please stand to show reverence to the Lord as we hear his word. So, G- so Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God saved me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither farming nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a minute on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to um, peril and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Our new um, Testament reading is Acts chapter 2, verse 41 to 42. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. Please bow with me in prayer for the word. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, your greatness, Lord, and your love and mercy towards us. Lord, without you, Lord, um, this, is, this is nothing. We, we, this is meaningless. Lord, without your spirit leading us and guiding us, Lord, we cannot understand your word. And so, Lord, we pray that you would, Lord, continue to lead us in our hearts and in our minds as we hear your word to understand the words that you speak to us this morning that we may live in your righteousness and that we may glorify you with our whole lives we thank you lord and we pray this in your name jesus christ amen Amen. today we begin a new sermon series in uh, discipleship and we're going to be talking about uh, various ways to get plugged in and, and, and do all these things. And so we're kind of making a little push, a little campaign uh, for you to get plugged into our church. And so if you look in your order of worship, you'll also see in the insert that there are many ways. There are many discipleship groups. There are many ways to get plugged in. Uh, today, after service, we're going to have a ministry fair for you to be able to see all the ministries that are going on in our church. We saw that awesome video about small groups, getting plugged into a small group. And so hopefully, uh, over these next few weeks, we together can remember the importance of discipleship, of being together and growing together and with one another. Uh, It's an exciting time for us because we're able to, after a a really long time, be able to begin meeting together again and do these things. And so uh, we wait with eager anticipation uh, to join together and grow. Today's New Testament passage tells us that the first recorded converts of Christianity after Jesus' ascension 
in verse 42, immediately devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. It's important to break down what these disciples devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to teachings of the apostles, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayers. And we could probably do a sermon series on each one of those. But today, I would like to just focus on the fact that they devoted themselves, that these early Christians, they came together and they devoted themselves to the Lord together. Together, they grew in the knowledge of Christ through the teaching of the apostles. Together, they loved one another and they had fellowship with one another. Together, they came and communed and dined with each other and together, they prayed. And so in verse 44, we read that all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, why is it so important? Why does Luke continue to point this out, not only here in chapter 2, but also in chapter 4 and throughout the book of Acts? It seems to be a theme that the early church came and they had all things in common. They came and they prayed together. They did all things together. Why is it so important that Luke has the reader understand that these thousands of Christians and later tens of thousands of Christians came together and were one body. In order to truly understand that, we have to know the context. And so earlier in chapter 2, we know that uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon the 120 disciples that are eagerly waiting and praying for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they start speaking in all these different languages. And those who are around them They are astonished, they're bewildered, they are in awe that they are hearing the great works of God, this gospel message being preached to them in their own language. And so we have to stop for a moment and think about why this happened. It didn't happen just so that God could show off his miraculous powers. It was for the purpose of God to fulfill what he had said, that he would proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth, to all nations. And so we read that Peter preaches the gospel of Christ to these thousands of Jews. And in verse 41, we read that there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000. Who were these people? They were Jews, but they were not all Hebrew Jews. They were Hellenistic Jews. They were Jews from all over Judea. They were Jews that didn't have the same culture. They didn't share things. They didn't have the culture in common. They didn't even speak the same language. Hence, the Holy Spirit came upon these 120 disciples and they spoke in their language to preach the gospel in their own language. They didn't even speak the same language. And this is why It is so important that we understand that it is these Jews who came all together and had all things in common and shared all things, regardless of their different culture, regardless of their different language, regardless of everything that they had not in common. We read in the Bible that they came together and had all things in common. Why? Because they devoted themselves to Christ. They came and they devoted themselves to Jesus. And because they had Jesus, they had all things in common. In the same way, we 
Regardless of where we come from or if we have a different culture or background or even if we don't speak the same language, we come together and we have all things in common because, not because we look alike, but because of Jesus Christ. And it is when we devote ourselves to Christ that we come together and we become the body of Christ. And so we have small groups and journey groups and precepts and Sunday school and you can go down the list and we have all these discipleship groups and we have all these meetings and we have all these ways to grow and to devote ourselves together. Not because it's just fun to get, get together and have coffee, not just because it's, you know, somebody, you know, cooks or bakes, you know, good food. But we do these things and we devote ourselves together because as we do so, we grow together as the body of Christ. Learning to truly love my brother or my sister, it means that I devote myself together to grow with my brother and grow with my sister. And this doesn't happen just one time a week, during one hour a week, where I say, hello, how are you doing? And then I don't see you again for another week. This happens continuously throughout the week. In his commentary, Daryl Buck, he emphasizes this, and he says the expression devoting themselves has the idea of persistence or persevering in something. The imperfect paraphrastic construction speaks of the ongoing devotion that they have. The ongoing devotion that they have. So they didn't just meet at the temple once a week and just say hi to each other and go back home. There was an ongoing devotion that they had towards God and towards one another. They steadfastly continued to join together to devote themselves to Christ. It wasn't just that they spent a lot of time eating or fellowshipping, but we read that they also devoted themselves to teachings. Teachings of, of, of what? Of who? of the apostles. What did the apostles teach? What Jesus Christ taught. They devoted themselves to the teachings of Christ. They devoted themselves to praying with one another. And they also devoted themselves to eating and to dining with each other and fellowship. But notice that these thousands of believers, they didn't just go their own way. They didn't just try to do their own thing. They didn't teach themselves. They didn't become mature by themselves. There was still an order to the devotion. They submitted themselves to the teachings of the apostles, and the apostles had authority to teach because of Jesus Christ. They taught the teachings of Jesus Christ. Jesus had commissioned them to do this. So being devoted to God in today's text does not mean that you grow by yourself. It doesn't mean that you just read the Bible a lot by yourself. It doesn't mean that you just do a lot of Bible study by yourself, that you just pray a lot hours and hours a week by yourself. But in today's context, devoting ourselves to God, to Christ, means that we gather together and we devote ourselves together to Christ. It means being part of a community of believers, not separating yourself from the community of believers. We love doing things on our own. We, we hate being told what to do. We hate being told you can do this or you can't do that. 
And this is a Western tradition of individualism. And it's so appealing because you get to do what you want to do. You get to choose what you do. You get to call the shots. And in the end, you get all the glory. And it has its benefits, this way of living. There are different areas of life where we do need to have individualism. We do need to grow by ourselves. But when it comes to Christianity, having this formula of I'm going to grow by myself, I'm my own Christian, I'm going to just learn to pray by myself and learn these things on my own, is actually a formula for anti-Christian growth, a reverse Christian growth, baby Christian The scriptures clearly teach us that we need each other in order to grow in our faith and love for God. Christians are called to always be reforming, to always be introspective, to always be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit, what are my weaknesses? Where can I grow? How do we do these things? It's done in your private and personal walk with Christ, but it is also done when we enter into communion, into fellowship, into devotion with fellow saints. As I was reading an article in Christianity.com, I came upon a quote by Paul Tripp. He says, we weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God, and in a loving and humble interdependency with others. Our lives were designed to be community projects. Yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we have all that we need within ourselves. So we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when the people around us point out a weakness or a wrong. We hold our struggles within, not taking advantage of the resources that God has given us. What are the resources that God has given us? each other. Look at your neighbor and say, you are my resource. We are the resource that God has given to each other to grow, to be mature Christians. When we grow together, we're able to see each other's weaknesses. We're able to admonish one another and help each other and pray for each other. We're able to love one another, to bear each other's burdens. Yet so many of us neglect this Christian growth because we don't like being with other people or maybe uh, I'm a little bit introverted or we feel like I can just do it by myself. One One of the most arrogant things I think we can say as a Christian is that I can be a mature Christian by myself. Unfortunately, this is the growing trend, and this is the growing confession of many Christians in our generation today. They say they love Jesus, but they just don't love his church. They say that I'm spiritual, I just don't want any spiritual accountability. They say that they love Jesus, but they just don't love the people, you know, the brothers and sisters that that God has given them. They love Jesus, but, you know, the, the corporate worship thing where we all worship together, I'm not really into that. I'll just worship at home by myself. And I could go on and on and on. And this is the growing confession. 
I can do it by myself. Jesus loves me, and I love Jesus, and that's all I need. But when you take out this corporate devotion, this growing together in Christ, you might as well take out most of the New Testament. And you might as well take out really the Old Testament as well. Throughout the letters of Paul and Peter and John and all the apostles, what is the main theme of almost all of their letters? Is to love one another, to bear each other's burdens, to encourage one another, to teach one another, to admonish one another, to grow together, to build each other up. We've been talking about for the last weeks how we are the temple of God, that we are, you know, he is a cornerstone. We are the body of Christ. You can't do that by yourself. God created the first man, Adam, and he looked at Adam and he said, this is not good. And so he created a partner for Adam, Eve. I think you all know the story. But God didn't just create Eve for Adam because he was lonely. Yes, he was lonely and he needed a partner. But God created Adam and Eve together because that's how they would grow together. That's why he puts us together. His people, ever since Abraham all the way from the beginning, he chose his people, not just Abraham, but he said, through you, I will make my people he has made his church together. We create and are made, his, are made his church. We grow when we're together. We grow just even in life when we interact with one another. When we get married, we grow a lot. When we have children, when we're with other people. Children learn to grow when they you know, go and play with other children. And they learn so many things. There are many instances of feral children that are raised by animals. And they don't know how to interact with society. It's hard for them to adjust when they come back. You know, when they're found, you know, their, their growth, their development is, is highly stunted. Some of them never learn how to speak. Some of them never learn how to walk properly. Some of them, uh, they, once they are, you know, adjusted back into society, they slowly decline into death because they can't adjust. That's what happens to us when we are by ourselves. We decline as a Christian. We become selfish as a Christian. We become less Christ-like as a Christian. How do I learn to be more like Christ? It's when I'm with my brothers and sisters. You might have heard of the story of a little boy. He was taken by gorillas in an African village. And he grew up in the jungle. And so he learned to... Uh, live with them. He learned to eat like them. He learned the, their language. He learned to even hunt with them. And eventually he was found by uh, adults in a party of English people who came to that village. And they, they tried to you know, have him adjust back into you know, human society, but he couldn't speak their language. It was extremely hard for him to interact even with them. And it wasn't until he found a very beautiful woman named Jane. <laughs> Do you guys know this story? Uh, is that the story of Tarzan? Yeah, okay, yeah. The point is, the point is that we cannot fully develop 
or mature as a Christian if we just stay by ourselves. Even Tarzan needed Jane. I would go as far as to say, along with John, the Apostle John, that if we cannot love one another, if we cannot devote ourselves together, if we, if we cannot say that I love my brother and my sister, then we cannot say that we love God. It has always been the plan of God to unite his people together. In our Old Testament passage, we read that Joseph confesses to his brothers. He says, man, don't worry, brothers. You mistreated me. You did all these horrible things to me. But God did this to preserve life. It was God's plan to preserve a remnant on this earth and to keep alive many survivors. God has always saved his people. Even when they were rebellious, even when they turned away from him, even when he should have taken them all away, even when in all these things, he always kept a remnant of his people. It has always been his plan. I remember the first time I heard one of my professors say, Jesus didn't die for you. And I just thought, what? He said, Jesus died for his church. And I thought, okay, there's something wrong with this guy. Because all my life, I have heard, Jesus loves me. He died for me. He went to the cross, you know, because he loves me so much. I'm so special. You know, that's what I heard my whole life. And so when the professor said that, I, I, th I thought, there's something wrong with this guy. But as I went back and I meditated on what he had said, and as I started reading scripture, I thought, man, this guy's right. Jesus didn't die. He did die for me. He did save me. He did pour his grace upon me. His Holy Spirit is in me. But Jesus didn't just die for me. He died for his church so that his church would be built up, so that his church would become his bride. I am not his bride singularly, individually. The church is the bride of Christ. And so if God saves a remnant of his people, if Jesus died and resurrected for his church, then why or how could I ever believe that I could or should be a Christian by myself? It is the church united all together that is the body of Christ, the bride that brings glory and honor to our Lord. And when we come together as the church, we become like an orchestra or a band or a choir that comes together all individually, but together makes this awesome sound. You know, when you practice an instrument, I, I played the clarinet, when you practice the instrument, you're supposed to practice by yourself. You're supposed to get really good by yourself. But when you play by yourself, it never sounds as good as when you play with the entire band or with the entire symphony. There's a limit to how good you can sound. Furthermore, even if you're really good by yourself, but there's no conductor, this is how you sound. Right, it's just a bunch of noise. 
Right, everybody just playing their own thing. There's no melody, there's no harmony, there's no music, it's just a bunch of noise. But when we have a conductor, and we do have a conductor, Jesus Christ, who is the head of his church, this is how you can sound. This is the sound that the church ought to make to the world. Not the first one with all the noise. You know, the world already has enough noise. Doesn't need more noise from the church. What the world needs is to see brothers and sisters coming together, devoting themselves to Jesus Christ, and being that symphony, being that melodious noise, that, that beautiful sound that draws the world to Christ. You see, God will entrust more people to his church when the church devotes itself to Christ. And this is what we read at the end of Acts. In Acts chapter 2 at the very end, we read that every day, day by day, as they devoted themselves, that God added to their numbers. When we grow together through discipleship, through devoting ourselves to teachings of Christ, through fellowship and communion and all these things, through prayer, that is when God looks at his church and says, this is a church where I can send people who are lost. This is a church that I can entrust more of my people to. And my prayer is that for Grace Church, that we are a church that God looks upon us and says those things because we together as a church devote ourselves to him. And so let us be a church that God can entrust and use to bring his people to him by devoting ourselves together to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your death and your resurrection. Because it is through you, Lord, that we are all able to have all things in common together, regardless of where we come from, even what language we speak, what culture we're from, it doesn't matter. Lord, we have all things in common because of you, our Redeemer, our Savior, and our Lord. And so, God, we pray that you will continue to build up this church, your church, to love you and devote ourselves to you together, to devote ourselves to you in your teachings, to devote ourselves to you in fellowship and loving one another, to devote ourselves to communion, to coming together and breaking bread, and that we would come together as a church and devote ourselves to prayer that you, Lord, would look upon us and be glorified in this world through this church. And we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.